Diane, I'm listening to a podcast, Black Lodge Trivia Night. I've never heard so many game aspirations in my life. All right, welcome back to Black Lodge Trivia Night. We're going to do something a little differently tonight. Uh, As you can clearly see, uh, we are down a Matt and Patrick. I always wish them well, but furthermore, question their loyalty. We're not going to do any candles. We're not going to do any uh, Trivia Night's questions for, uh, for Twin Peaks. We're just going to try and do something that I thought might be of some interest. Maybe not, but especially after the, you know, COVID pandemic, you know, there's something that became much more important to role players, you know, moving forward. And that was STDs. No, obviously it was VTTs. Um, And VTTs, you know, come in different shapes and sizes. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about VTTs, how we've been using them so far in at Black Lodge Trivia Night. There's sort of been jokes going around that, you know, I'm the guy who like gets off on doing data entry or I'm the guy who enjoys over prepping. Over prepping, yes, the data entry, it's not necessarily fun, but it's, you know, you can put on something on YouTube or a podcast and just, you know, tink away or whatever. But so I just wanted to go into a little bit what that means when, you know, for at least me over prepping or, you know, what we've been doing with VTTs. So what I'm showing you here now, we've been talking a lot about Star Trek you know, Captain's Log, the solo or co-op version of that game. And, you know, we just sort of started getting it set up. It's it's not done. There's things I don't know how to do. But first and foremost, there's a really good... Um, there's a, you know, a good 2D20, you know, uh, Foundry rule set. Then there's also good modules. There's two of them. And I'll try to remember to link them in the show notes. For Star Trek... Uh, adventures specifically that add the font the look you know sort of reskin everything the artwork uh i bought you know the pdfs and uh, sorry the hard copies of the star trek adventures and captain's log and so hopefully you know i you know i grab some artwork to create some atmosphere from the gm screen uh which was oh I, i bought that too that was part of a humble bundle i don't know if people grabbed that but that was a great that was a great bundle. Tons of like Star Trek adventure stuff all in one go. And, you know, you just start to think like, okay, Patrick, potentially Matt and I will be playing. And what do we need to play? And then it, it's always tough to prep when you haven't played before. Because, you know, you don't know what you don't know, right? So you start to read the rules, you start prepping, thinking, oh, I think I've got this. And all of a sudden you realize, oh, crap, I forgot a mission tracker, right? <laughs> um, once you have a mission tracker, you need to figure out a way, like, how do I, you know, mark things, you know? So I don't know if there's a better way to do it. My little trick is I use characters, tokens for characters to make, you know, movable pieces. That's what I did with uh, English Eerie. If you watched any of those, we had cards and and resource tokens. They were all characters that you could sort of, you know, draw their token, so to speak. Uh, you know, and so you start to figure out, like, okay, and, um, you know, what else might we need? And luckily, Star Trek Adventures, the, the VTT module, basically covers what you need for Captain's Log. You know, it's got the, the character sheet here and... There's more to this character sheet than you need for 
ca- uh, captain's log, but the overlap is all there. So I think this sheet covers 100% of what you need. Um, you know, and it's, and it's you know nicely done. You know, you choose the two things you're going to roll. And uh, not that I remember how to roll, but um, so you choose like reason, security, and then you do a performance task. You know, you're using a uh, number of dice in the pool. You know, I think momentum might change that. I don't know. And then, it, you know, it gives you a roll and it does everything. If you're starting to prep a game that has a basic module or something you can pull from, you're, you're golden. It, it helps so much to not have to kind of reinvent the wheel. And luckily when we've been, you know, reinventing the wheel, you know, we've been playing games that have been pretty rules light and simple to play. So, hold on, I think I'm about to sneeze. Maybe not. I'm just going to sneak attack now that I've unmuted my mic. So, I was going to quickly jump over to uh So Foundry, you know, I, I maybe jumped the gun a little bit. Foundry has been our VTT of choice so far. There's, you know, we did Scritch Scratch on Roll20, uh, which Patrick ran. I, I should say part of the reason why I thought this might not be a terrible thing for me to do while we didn't have the other guys here is I don't think Patrick gives a shit about VTTs. Um, he's just like, whatever, man. I just need some way to roll the dice. I don't care. I don't want to speak for him, but I feel like that's the vibe I got, you know, when we've talked about this, you know, behind the scenes. I don't know. I think Matt is definitely more interested in VTTs. You know, when we talk about all the functionality that the Pathfinder 2nd Edition uh, rule set for Foundry offers, I, I feel like... I feel like he has more more interest in, in some of the technical stuff, but... Let me jump over quickly to, say, when we were doing Midnight Melodies. So you could sort of... Whoops, did I... I might have to refresh this page. So you could sort of see what we did for that one. The other... uh, There's a couple reasons why Foundry became my VTT of choice. When I started... I was using Fantasy Grounds, and I don't know if I can show you that. I might not be able to show you that. I don't even know if I still have it installed, to be honest with you. And I actually kind of thought it was pretty good when I was doing that. I, I didn't like Roll20. That that was basically the starting point of my whole VTT experience was that I don't really like Roll20. I don't care if I'm a player, but I just had no interest. If I was ever going to run something, I was like, I, I just don't care for this at all. But, you know, so you start by, I want to jump over here because here's one where we don't have a, a base rule set or a base something to work from. So you start starting from scratch. And so first things first, I'm like, okay, we need two things. We need to be able to roll the dice and we need to be able to do a character sheet. So a character sheet often is a pretty easy solve because Foundry has a PDF pager which is a, a module you can just go get. And it allows you to import a form fillable PDF 
into Foundry. There you go. So, you know, I went through and I, you know, I have access to, you know, Adobe Acrobat Pro and I just started figuring out how to make the character sheet. Now, this character sheet uh, is, I don't know if it, let me, let me see if it'll show. Um, this is version three of the character sheet. So I often iterate, cause like I was saying, it's very tough to set something up when you haven't played before. So you sort of enter everything in and then you realize, you know what, now that I'm reading this or now that I'm seeing other pieces of the VTT come together, I think I need to do this differently. Um, so in the case of the character sheet here, you know, like I said, it's sort of step one, like, okay, am I going to be able to have a character sheet boundary? The answer is almost always yes, because of the PDFs. I don't know. Roll 20. I don't know if it offers that functionality, but there's just so many character sheets available because you don't have to do a whole rule set. You can just make a character sheet for games that, you know, maybe that helps alleviate the fact that maybe you can't use PDFs as a character. I have no idea, to be honest with you. Fantasy Grounds, man, I'm not 100% sure. I know they have things like Morecore, and they that's like a, a user-made addition that lets you incorporate more roles. I know there's just the core version of, uh, it's not version, but there's like the, the core rule set. But that sort of defaults a lot to like D20 mechanics, so you're sort of locked in. Um... Anyway, so I'm not 100% sure how you would do it in Fantasy Grounds at this point. But anyway, so here we are, you know, so I realized, okay, we need to make a character sheet. You know, after a couple of versions, we got it here to where, you know, the functionality we need is all set. You know, you have pluses and minus built in as drop menus. That could have been a text field, but I was like, yeah, why not? Uh, and I made all the chords, you know, a list of drop menus. And uh, then otherwise we have checkboxes here. And then this I think is meant to be for your character portrait. We didn't take advantage of it. Uh, if you could get it on like an alpha channel, it sort of makes like a nice like mugshot uh, to add. Again, as we said in when we played this game, this game just oozes atmosphere. And little touches like that are part of why. Second thing you need to be able to do is you need to be able to roll the dice. If you can do those two things, you're basically good to go. Now... In this case, there's a couple of different roles. There's a D6. There's a D. That's what you need basically for the skill checks. Um, and then you add one or minus, subtract one, depending on if it's a favorite skill or a diminished skill. D12s you need for a lot of the random charts. You have a do oh, dominant skill or a diminished skill. Now, you don't need to do any of this right you know you have if you have a dice tray as a module you have it down here i wanted to put it here just because i didn't want to like if i was like on a different tab or something i didn't want to have to fumble because part of what i have to think about now is you know how does this look on a recording you know i'm trying to leave the dice roll box as intact as possible so that part of the screen doesn't go back and forth or flicker or change or go blank which it did in the midnight melodies at one point when i'm switching I was loading something, I forget what. 
So if you have those two things, so you know, basically the dominant role is just a very simple chat macro for 1d6 plus one. Again, just so when I'm, if I had to roll and I, or if Matt had to roll, you wouldn't have to spend time entering, you know, so just as a quick, you'll see six and then a diminished is a minus one, three. None of that is essential, but what it does do wouldn't be so important if we were just playing. But if we're recording, I wanted to make sure that an option was available so that there wouldn't be dead, dead air, so to speak. Then, you know, the other things I do, got some random generators. This game, you know, basically all I'm able to do when I prep, because I can't script, I can't code, I can't anything like that. Basically, the main thing I can do is I can create roll tables. I can make the roll tables interact sometimes, and then I can put them all in a journal. That's 99% of what I do when I prep. So here, you know, I just sort of, you know, name generator. You can sort of see this name generator is got a 1D3 for a formula with a range of 1D3 for each option. And if you're new to VTTs, what that means is it's going to roll a 1D3 and whatever the result, it's going to trigger a choice that has that in its range. So since every one of these has the range of the entire dice roll, there's, I can make this 1D1 and make this range 1, 1, 1, 1, 1, 1. It's, it's going to trigger all three choices. Avery Adderley, that's the person's name, and their code name is Cypher. Now what I like to do, and you can see it's a D12 roll, but it's not going to list them. Um, what I also like to do is I like to be able to sort of bullet list the individual tables if I don't need them all. So now you can see it's a 1d12 formula and it's a proper selection. So like I said, 99% of what I do is just, is just that. It's, you know, setting up roll tables as needed and, you know, making sure they're organized in a way that I can figure out. Table of to tones is what Matt was rolling when we needed chord so again you can see it is a d12 and it's just a proper formula and finally uh, you have the other tables right so we have a challenge type entities these are all the different tables that are part of the game at one point I rolled a motif and what I think that does is it gives me a list of all of them so you're gonna again see it's a 1d6 only because there's six options and then the range incorporates every single one so if you roll it you get the whole list. I did that early in the game just to get a general sense of what I might, you know, just to inspire some ideas before we move too deeply into the story. Uh, but if, again, if I want an individual one, I got it. Challenge types. You know, again, if you need just a general list. Um, now, I might not have set this up properly because I didn't need to use this but so as you can see like it randomized because I don't have the range as 1 to 6 1 to 6 1 to 6 it's only going to choose one and also looks like <laughs> uh I guess this is, I guess there is some benefit for random 
uh, a random choice, like if you don't know what kind of challenge you want. So I rolled a five. Uh, if you rolled a six, let me do a uh, 1d6 plus six. Let's do that just to see if it goes to it. Um, I think it can because there's... I always thought that if it went above... Oh, no, because it's always going to be a seven. Okay. Okay, so that guarantees it's going to be a six. So I think the sub-challenge table means you roll twice. Uh, so the trick to that is... Let me, let me get rid of that modifier. Update. Make sure you always click update or else I've entered entire tables, forgot to hit update, closed, and it didn't save any of it. And you have to redo the whole thing. So anyway, um, what I do, and there might be better ways to accomplish this, but sometimes you'll get a table that's like, hey, if you get the highest number, roll twice on the same table. And so what I end up having to do is I create a separate version of the table. Um, what are we looking at? Challenge types? That is lacking <laughs> that roll twice option, so you don't get into like an infinite loop. So, and then I change it to a D one D five, so the odds are still basically the same. And so, when it rolls twice, it rolls twice on here, so you're not getting the roll twice again, if that makes sense. So that was something I sort of was like, crap, you know, maybe that's like an obvious solution to everybody else, but for me, as somebody who doesn't code, who had never done anything like this. That was something I sort of figured out a while ago with one of my other homebrews. But so anyway, so what I'll do is I'll go back to, um, but oh, uh, but basically that's that's it. You can roll dice, you get a character sheet. Then I try and think of things I can input from the rule book, and I always do it manually. Basically, that will help me speed up play or make it so I don't have to flip through pages. So I'm just saying, like, hold on, let me. Uh, it's page 120. No, what are you looking at? 127. Just to sort of minimize how much of that there is. I will often, I gotta tell you, jot down bullet points of, you know, how everything works. Again, because not that I actually love looking at books, and I've said, like, you know, if I'm gonna do a proper read of a rule book, I want a hard copy. But when I'm in game, the whole thing I'm trying to do is get to, and I think I've said this before, either here or over at the AAC on some of their stuff. All I'm trying to do is get to what do you guys want to do next as smoothly as possible. And for me, part of what helps that is having a bunch of stuff, you know, brought in. I link it up. So it's like, you know, repeating the cycle, you know, identifying the tone. So it's sort of the blurb from the rule book of, uh, how identifying a tone works. And then, so I don't have to then go find it, I build into the snippet, the role. So I don't have to bounce around too much in the VTT. Um, so again, using actions and talents, I, you know, I try and again, this takes a little while, but when the game's running, hopefully I've thought of as much as I possibly could without having played it before to keep things going. Once you have that, then basically you you have everything you need to play. Everything else is just sort of dressing. I like to find a piece of artwork that um, sets the tone. 
the artwork we've been using for this uh, English Eerie, basically any artwork we've been using for the last couple of things has been from Adobe stock. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if that's a good place to source art from. I have a subscription, a personal subscription. And so I, I license a lot of the art because I don't want to, I don't know. I, it's all very complicated. I don't know if that's a good place to license art from. I, I, but I, I don't want to, I don't want to blatantly steal anything. Uh, I'm very conscious, you know, if there's artwork I want to, you know, on a stream like this, I want to make sure like I've, I've done what I needed to do to make sure I, I didn't steal it. You know, the music, you know, I try and find music like the music for this, this in particular was again, licensed from Adobe. Uh, you know, I get a certain number of credits every month. That's part of my subscription. And they sort of seem to accumulate, and I haven't been running much, so I had a pile of them, and I'm like, you know what? So I want to make sure, you know, either it's licensed or, you know, like in a lot of the things, if you stick around to the end of our podcast, it's like you know, the music in session was by so-and-so. You know, we I want to make sure all that stuff is above board. I want to attribute people properly. I want to license it if I need to or if I can. Um, I'm hoping the fact that I, you know, bought the Star Trek Game Master screen. It means it's okay to, you know, put it in as a background. Um, you know, and I feel like this is probably how most, oh, maybe not. Maybe most streamers don't care. I have no idea. But I imagine a lot of people are like, you know, I don't want to, I'm not trying to steal anything. You know, I'm not trying to be shady. Um, PDFs, you know, if, if I need the PDF, I try and figure out how to either purchase the PDF or if I can't purchase the PDF, uh, purchase the physical copy. And I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, because again, I want to make sure that I've tried my best, you know, to, uh, to do what I can. <clears throat> um, anyway, so that's sort of, you know, the next step, like how do you add some atmosphere? You know, background, in this case, I added um, some music. I forgot this was playing on a loop, to be honest with you. And then you can see here, you know, there's some music. Turn it down just a little bit. And then there's some ambient sound effect, which is some wind. That's, you know, I added those two things just to sort of create, like, the jazz, but with some texture, you know, does it matter? Who knows? I'm a personal believer that um, having a little bit of music playing while people are just talking helps, if that makes any sense. So it's not just, um, I don't know, it's not just dead air when there's a pause, you know, there's some reason to sort of engage your, your hearing, you know, so I feel like that helps a little bit. And then the dirty secret is that I don't record any of these sound soundtracks in game. So as you saw, these were all zeroed out. The reason why is because I add that back in in post. That's not something you'd have to worry about if you're setting up a VTT. That's something that I personally do. Uh, just because what that does is it gives me for the recording, it gives me clean sound effects of the dice. 
And that that's it. It's just it separates the tracks. So I have a clean single track of any sound effects and I have a I can add the music and all that stuff in later. Uh and then what else did oh, and then you just start figuring out like, okay, what else do I need? In this case we needed a piano. <laughs> right. So then you sort of had to figure out how do I do this. I found one. Um, if I can get to the HTML. Uh, I found one at uh, this website, MC Zach Piano Piano Frame. And I believe this is like a... Um, I believe this is... I was reading it and it's like, yeah, you know, don't worry about it. I was, again, trying to make sure I wasn't stealing anything. And I think... And we never showed it. And um, basically... You know, it allowed us to play the notes of the chords. Now, unfortunately, what Matt and I realized right before we recorded is that me playing the notes was only for my audio. He couldn't hear. So it wasn't like he could say A sharp and I could be all like and, you know, have it be part of the atmosphere. And so that was a little... I don't know if there's a way to do that in Foundry, but, you know, that was sort of the last step, you know. Uh, you know, we got the mechanics down. We had a character sheet down. Then it's just like, what uh, What could, you know, add to the atmosphere? I added a second map of Kansas City. We, we didn't really need it, to be honest with you. It was one of those things where, like, I've never played before. I don't know what's going to come up. Could this be useful? Again, uh, licensed from Adobe. Was it useful? I don't know. I One time I pinged where the train station was. And for me personally, I was trying to figure out, oh, maybe we could show where the clubs might be, but it just got to be too much. So I went back to this. Um, a module that I like to use as part of setting the atmosphere is called... It's called... Do, 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 Lockview. Basically, what Lockview does is it lets you set a background and then have it so people can't move it around. So, like, if I do Kansas City, I can do this, and I wanted Matt to be able to do that in case we needed to refer to it like a true map. This is just ambiance. So, I, you know, I, you know, moving my mouse, I can't. It, it just stays locked, and it, and it, um, you can make it cover behind here, or you can, um, make it so that it doesn't include, you know, exclude sidebar, and then you blacken the sidebar so it's not transparent. And you can see now you're getting a little bit more of the picture. You'd have to adjust other things, but whatever. So once, you know, so this was a relatively easy one to set up. It was just a few roll tables and a little ambiance. If you get to something like Star Trek... Uh, is that this one? It's not. I have I have three licenses so that I can... It was stupid. At the time, I thought it would be helpful to be able to leave one running while others were being worked on. It's actually never really turned out to be the case. Uh, so let's head back to... Star Trek Adventures. Star Trek Adventures isn't that different. It's just about 500 pounds more. So, you know, let's get rid of these character icons. Um, the reason why it's 500 pounds more is because there's a few more mechanics. One, we needed a mission tracker. 
this uh, again, you know, I I bought the game, so I just sort of grabbed the mission tracker from the from like a PDF. Uh, I don't know if it's from the rule book or something else, but uh, and it's just something there for to help us out again. You know, I'm hoping that since I bought the books and it's just me personally using it, you know, I'm not distributing the things I enter into the VTT. That it's okay. Um, but in this case, you know, so I, I, I make a lot of my own compendia. There's, um, so I started making one for, uh, yeah, Star Trek Adventures. The main thing I had to do was roll tables and macros. I can't code, and I think part of why I enjoy doing all this stuff is that there's a part of me that always wishes I could code. So... And this is as close as I'm ever going to get. I've gotten a lot of help on these macros. And when you see, like, you know, if you do code, you're like, these are the simplest macros in the world. What's your problem? But I've gotten a lot of help from the uh, Foundry VTT Discord. Uh, they have, uh, I don't know if I was talking about it here or maybe when I was doing a Darklands thing. Uh, they have a, a, a channel called Macro Polo. And there's people in there that are super helpful, even for idiots like me that can't do anything. But. This game is much heavier than any of the other games we've played by a good distance. So, again, I try and sort of create like the bullet lists. And this is something I've started doing more recently. I don't think I did this with some of my earlier homebrews. Uh, but I think there was one point, it might have been in Harn, when I was running a Harn game, where I realized, oh crap, I wish I had that table. I don't want to roll the whole thing. I just want to roll the one and I didn't. So now I got to go dig it out of the compendium and we're slowing things down. But basically, you know, again, I just set up, you know, all of the matrices that the game has. And I try and get it to be as smooth as possible. And some of them are, most of the time it's very easy. Sometimes it's a little tricky. You know, you have a yes, no probability matrix, you know. It's the simplest, you know, role that you have in, in Star Trek. And what I do is, you know, you just sort of code it in. And then if you add like a little little bit of coding right here it builds in just a little bit of functionality I don't know if we need bold let's take that off and see what it does making you can't really read it either way but um oh maybe bold makes it so at least it has a chance of being read so it's not white on a white background I was gonna say there must be a reason why but if you just do this little thing nobody needs to use it but um, it just makes it so when you're in the page, you can actually roll the die. It's a stupid little thing, but it's something I found, like, you know, as I was, again, I think a lot of this came from Harn. When I was running uh, Columbia Games' Harn Master a little while ago for the uh, Alcoholic Adventure Cabal, uh, I realized it might be helpful to while I'm looking at this to not have to then go over here or switch to the tab or, you know, just to have it built in right there. So it's like, wait a minute, what am I rolling again? It's just, it's right there. Again, I set this up. So it's a 1D20 and it goes to, if you see compendium, it's going to another table. 
so but something broke and so <laughs> I would have to go figure out why four what did I roll for a four four is some of this might have gotten screwed up but anyway so basically you know I just go through um you roll the main table in theory you know it's should check um so here again you have like roll two missions so that could be something where you have a sub table you roll twice on and it leaves out option number for 1920 i'm a little concerned i think what ended up happening is at some point I might have moved some of the roll tables or I changed something about the roll table. So it's not, um, I'm gonna have to relink each one of these tables into the main one. But you can see like the sub tables all work. I just, for some reason, it's not pointing to the right place. It's always good to check your work before you uh, actually run the game to make sure things like that get caught. Uh, but again, it's just, um, you know, just having the tables available and list it out in case, you know, it's like, I don't need to do an entire encounter, but it'd be nice to be able to randomly decide these planets, you know, or whatever. Um, the trick with this is that some of the processes require being able to modify the die. And now we get into the most basic level of scripting that I cannot do. But again, I was able to get some help on the Discord channel, and it was really helpful. And so basically, you know, if you're doing... Um, it's sort of the later ones, right? Not Beasts of the Galaxy. Location to start. Okay. So say you want to generate a system... There's certain things you need to do. There's like number of planets, primary world. There's certain steps you have to do, right? But the thing is that for the number of planets, there's a modifier. So I needed to be able to enter a number and have that affect the role checking on a chart. So what is that number of planets? So let's import that and you can sort of see so somebody, you know, helped me out, but I'm like, look, I tried to find other macros first. I try and cut and paste and see if I can figure out what it's saying. I couldn't do it. And then they put together this extremely simple macro and then you're off to the races and you're like, okay. And then you can start to figure out how to borrow parts of this for other things. And hopefully I minimize the number of stupid questions I ask. So there was that. There's the number of inner worlds. And the reason why I wanted this was, uh, let's see, say three inner worlds. Because what I was having trouble doing is getting 1d20, 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 and I was getting 41, right? So it's going to tell, it's going to total it up here, but I don't want the total. I want the 6, 19, and 16. And so I was like, how do I get it to use these three numbers on tables? And somebody's like, okay, here's what you need to do. And so now I have like, a class N reducing planets, got three moons, class H desert, four moons. And just all of this is, you know, subtable, subtable, subtable. Uh, you know, you can determine its orbit. Uh, you can determine the number of inner worlds, primary worlds, info. You know, 
is a class K adaptable. It's a number of moons one. That's the main planet of a system. Anyway, you can you get the idea, right? Sometimes I run into tricks and I haven't been able to figure them out. And you know, you saw that on Entity where I didn't know how to have a macro that lets you enter the number, which would be the number you're checking against, right? I always had to modify, go into the table or whatever, and you know, whatever, um, into the macro and modify my my target number. There's probably a cleaner way to do it. I couldn't figure it out, but I was like, you know what? It's just me doing a solo game. It's not too slow. I'll just go with it. So that's sort of the the basics of what I can do. You know, I have the character sheet. I figure out any mechanics I need to have in play on the screen. And then I just enter in some roll tables and whatever rules as a shorthand that I need to go from there and figure it out and try and make things run as smoothly as possible. I can show you, um, you know, I mentioned Harn. Uh, well, you know, I mentioned Savage Worlds, you know, so this is one, I guess I didn't migrate these yet. You know, I, I converted Savage Worlds to Days Vol uh, Let me flip that around. I converted Days Vault to Savage Worlds. And, you know, we did a uh, Bookhouse Boys on, on Days Vault. And as I said in that one, you know, if you want to go back and watch, you know, Patrick and I, I thought, had an okay discussion about that. Um, it started as a D100 system, which is this implementa implementation right there. Excuse me. And it was good. But as I started to read Days, uh, as I Days Vault, as I started to read Savage Worlds, I started to realize this actually might be a better fit for what they are going for. Because in the book, it describes it, you know, like they're going for like, you know, it could be Mission Impossible, it could be all sorts of stuff. So I don't even know what's going to pop up. Um, you know, so we have this map of Europe. And in this case, it wasn't just roll tables and a character sheet. You know, the character sheet I didn't have to worry about because, you know, obviously, I don't know why it's showing the Pathfinder one. It doesn't really matter, but um, it wasn't showing this when we were playing. So, you know, we, we sort of... You know, we get the character sheets, that's not going to be a problem. In this case, what it is, is it's getting the material over. So, challenge tracker. Oh, yes. And, you know, and finding mods, you know, like, because, you know, dramatic tasks, you know, in, in Savage Worlds, there's a way to, you know, do these kinds of tasks. So, you know, it's again finding, this is not built into the Savage Worlds rule set. I had to find that module. Um, and I apologize. I, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I'll link to it in the show notes, but it's going to be a like 45 pages long and B I'm never going to remember. But in this case, it was more about getting the information from the original days vault converted over into savage world. So here I do a lot more. I guess what I should say is what I'm getting into the, the second part of this is I wanted to talk about homebrewing because a lot of the things I'm going to run initially are going to be homebrews. So that's a little different. That's 
in addition to everything I was talking about with getting the VTT and the roll tables and the, you know, the atmosphere, now there's also the mechanics being brought over. And so what I like to do is I like to, you know, character creation is one of those things where I'm never quite sure if I should do it or not. If it's not a homebrew, I usually won't. Like, I don't know if I'll bring in all the tables for character creation in Star Trek Captain's Log. Because you only sort of have to do it once, right? So why spend all the time and effort when you can just, you know, for something you're only going to do once? But when it's something like this, it becomes a lot more important because it's not going to be a one-to-one translation from Savage Worlds. And it's something I encountered when we were doing like a leveling up. Somebody's like, oh, maybe I'll take this uh, this perk or something. I'm like, ooh, actually this perk might not be in this game. I might have stripped that one out to match, you know, the Deus Vault universe. And so I just try and, you know, link this is, you know, from the official Savage Worlds module that, you know, I, I bought. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it's just sort of step by step of how to go through things. And some of it's the same, you know, like concepts the same. Race is going to be everybody's humans, obviously. And then once you get to the end, you go to the next part. Now, here's where I start to change things, right? You know, I have to... I'm adapting a game. So I, what I love about Savage Worlds and systems like it is that, you know, the skills can be whatever you need. They have skills that you can carry over like parry and blah 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 oh no no not parry uh like notice or you know some of them you know cover the basics but then what i love about savage worlds and other ones is when they let you be flexible so there's fighting one-handed fighting two-handed shooting bows crossbows savage worlds does it just has like fighting and shooting right but i wanted it to be a little more nuanced because that was sort of the idea the original and this skill set uh the skill set this system and the vtt module are flexible enough to allow that parry is a skill i needed to create because in savage worlds your parry is based on your fighting but in this case there's multiple types of fighting unarmed one-handed close quarters two-handed right and so i wanted to see like how do i make it so something still ties in because vtt module is looking for something specific and I want it to be something so, like, my players don't have to go into the guts of the character sheet and tweak stuff. So the solution I came up with is, hey, guys, whatever your highest fighting is, make parry that as well. So if we go to a, hopefully it's the case here, I'll go to Heligane. This was Matt's character. Um, yeah, I don't know why it's this one. We were using this in our game. I don't know why it defaulted to Savage uh, Pathfinder. So you can see he's got like fighting close quarters, fighting two-handed. He was a he was sort of a tank. So he's got a D8 for fighting two-handed. And so I was like, okay, make sure your parry matches that. And then that gets brought over here. Because that's how the mechanics of the VTT work. And I didn't want to have them go into... I don't even know how they would, to be honest with you. Um... I was trying to think of something universal, and that was the system I came up with. I don't know if it's the best one. You know, but, and then you start, like, so you have to get character creation. You have to, you know, cover the skills. 
And I just wanted it to be step-by-step, step, even if the players never use this, just so I could go through it again, I could talk them through it quickly. You know, and so again, none of this is in Savage Worlds. This is all days full, but you know, you have to figure out, okay, what do I do here? How does this work? Uh, did I do it correctly? I have no idea. Is it balanced? I don't know. Who cares? But this was sort of the best I could come up with. So like, you know, I'm trying to sort of match the system from Days Vault into Savage Worlds. Because I feel like there was a lot of flavor to Days Vault that um, I really liked and I wanted to maintain. Like the idea of like custodians of arms, secrets. These are sort of the classes. And, um, you know, I wanted to maintain some kind of class, even though Savage Worlds is a classless system get to the end you know sort of explaining the basics of skill points you know that's all the same and sort of you know so I just sort of try and make it as smooth as possible uh you know I wanted to incorporate sanity because of the type of you know it's got like a horror element to it so I you know I went to the Savage Worlds Horror Compendium borrowed sanity and I just put it in there so I wouldn't have to flip through a different book um and then the let's see then a lot of it was uh items you know it's just making sure everything you know this is what was really great about like the powers alchemy and miracles so easy to bring over from day's vault um it's just a matter of getting like all this stuff entered right you know the relics uh it's a little disconcerting all this is broken. I don't know why, but that's fine. But a lot of the times it's just a matter of, you know, finding stuff that matches what you need in one of the books that already exists and you're off to the races. So, so that's kind of the basics of, you know, a homebrew. You know, I spend a lot of time, you know, this one might be less about roll tables and more about items and journal entries to make sure all of this, you know, is ready to go. Um, you know, bringing over, and again, I don't know if I converted the rules in the best way, but I feel like I did it in a way that would work. And so here you can see like a journal where, you know, I've got a roll table built in if I want to roll that for a past event. Um, and then if I want, I can do rolls right here in the table. So like, oh, family tie, family ties. I could make a separate roll table for it, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let me just put it in here. You can roll a D100, get a 57. And you can just look at the chart right there, right? It's, it's literally right there. There's nothing. So you have one birth parent, one step parent. Let's see how many siblings we have. We have five siblings. Let's see aunts and uncles. And you got that information right there. You know, you don't have to bring something else up you don't have to you know you just look at it right there and that's fine uh so anyway so that's that's oh, oh and then you know the, again i do a lot of things in compendia uh and so i made one for that and i made a second one just for me so the players can access this and i use the second one and this is going to have traits for monsters this is going to have you know the sorcery that i didn't want them to have access to because it's supposed to be a little bit mysterious Skills they shouldn't have access to, items, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, hindrances they don't need. This is part of like the uh, the horror table, I believe. So, um, so anyway, so I just wanted to keep something separate. 
And um, yeah, and then it was a matter of like, okay, now that I've got the mechanics in, you know, I've got a character sheet, the dice rolls are taken care of. Let me figure out the mechanics I'm going to need to create a character. How is it different? Uh, once I get those things done, then I'm like, let me start adding items. And then once I get the items done, I'm like, okay, now I'm ready for the the atmosphere. You know, now that I know that the core is going to work, let me take care of the atmosphere. And, you know, I've done that a number of times. Like this game we've actually played, Harn I mentioned, we actually played uh, over on the Alcoholic Adventures Cabal. I was really looking forward to this one, um, but it didn't go as far as I hoped. Uh, let's see. I haven't opened this one in a while. Okay. So, you know, again, I, I bought, um, you know, I buy all these things uh, when I when I can. Uh, looks like something's got messed up here. But, um, you know, I bought the PDF for Harn. Uh, I thought this would open, but... Uh, have you seen you know and I even you know this is where the party was uh, you know I bought you know again I, I try and buy whatever I can I bought PDFs of Ulukand. Um and you know and I set them up I did something stupid which turned out to be really unnecessary you know I you know I get Patreon I support the Patreons of like map asset makers I'm not currently supporting them because I'm not running anything. So, you know, I'm not going to whip out the maps too much. But one of the things I did that was really stupid was I... Nope. Keep doing this. I was like, oh, let me... Um... Oh, are the characters on here? <laughs> uh, let me bring a character over. Because I was like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if... And maybe I turned it off. Um, wouldn't it be cool if we had line of sight <laughs> on these maps, like these huge maps? And it was such a waste of time. Let me see if the walls are still drawn. Yeah, you can see I drew every single wall. This took forever. I don't think it was worth it. I'm starting to think line of sight is less and less important in maps. Uh, Just in play, I'm just like, eh. Like, who cares? Like, you can you can figure it out, right? We can all figure it out. Um, so what's what's the point? Just, you know, you know, wing it. If you really want to block something off, there's, like, simple fog. Or just trust your players not to, you know, not to uh, metagame or whatever. But, um, yeah, you know, there's, like, tarot cards in... Um, <laughs> in in Harn. And so again, that was the first time I realized you could make character sheets for items you wanted to show on screen. That's when I sort of discovered that approach. Uh, so let me see. Anyway, so uh, but here's a, a couple of things happened here. One, I discovered using character sheets as items and two, I figured out roll tables and I'm a little nervous about all this stuff, but 
One of the downsides to Foundry is when you switch from versions 9 to 10 to 11 or whatever, things sort of get screwed up. So there's going to be a lot of my tables that are just broken, and I've never... The organization's all shot. And i got to admit, at some point, it's very difficult to just go back and go like, oh, God, now i got to redo all this. I had to do that for um, Savage Worlds because I knew I was going to be playing that. But uh, so... You know, so that was sort of like an adaptation. Like, the, I got to say, the VTT module for Harn is really great. The functionality there for a system that isn't a and d the functionality built in is is pretty amazing. Uh, this was... As I get to the end, I'll start to explain why I do this, right? Um, but this was something I gave a shot. You know, some people put together... Like, hey, if you want to play Middle Earth on Harn Master Rules, you know, there's some PDFs out there. Here's the conversions we would do. And so I was like, you know what? Let me let me take a look at this. So, you know, I bought um, all of the One Ring things from Free League, and they have some great maps. So I was like, let me borrow some of that. Um, I'm going to use it over here. But like I said, you know, I bought all the PDFs, so hopefully they don't mind. But here was a case where I was, you know, doing what I did with Savage Worlds, which was trying to get the mechanics. And I'm a little nervous because I'm not seeing <laughs> stuff I did. Now, that might be because I need to update the, again, when you switch from versions 9 to 10 to 11 or whatever, you have to... A lot of things have to get updated or reworked or whatever, so. So, you know, it's like, here's character create, like, just everything broke, right? So, but here again, you know, you get the character sheet, so we're all set there. It's a great character sheet. It handles a lot of the math, which in Harn is important. It's invaluable because um, it can be tricky. So, you know, you have the character sheet and you have the basic die roll. So you're, you're set there. So then it's a matter of getting things to, to work, the conversion. So I do what I did in Savage Worlds. You know, you've got like character creation, classes, and occupation there. You know, again, trying to tweak it into a different framework. My, my intention with this was to, as sort of a love letter, love letter to Middle Earth role-playing from Iron Crown Enterprises, just to see what it was like in Harn. I'd been playing Harn at the time. I really liked the system and I thought it would be a good, interesting fit. And so it's, you know, just figuring out different uh, mechanics, corruption, how does magic work, because it's supposed to be extremely low magic, and that was one of the complaints of Middle-Earth role-playing. Anyway, all this is, you know, prelude to, you know, the thing that's you're going to actually get to see potentially, which is when we run my spy game. Because a lot of, I think I did the wrong, a lot of a homebrew, you know, there's the stuff, there's the technical work, but there's also figuring it out behind the scenes, right? I was mentioning Deus Vault. I was like reading Savage Worlds for the first time, even though I'd been sitting on my shelf forever. And I was like, wait a minute. Ha ha. And, and suddenly I was like, okay, I think this is the way to go. I was trying to figure out a way to run a... <laughs> Cold War spy game. Now, give me one sec.
Okay, again, this is artwork licensed, but I'm not sure if I'm gonna stick with this because it's a little garish, might be hard to look at for a long time. I don't know if I have backups yet, but I was reading John LeCrae, The Looking Glass War. I'd wanted to run a spy game for a while, but spy games tend to be over-the-top action, Mission Impossible kinds of things. And I was reading The Looking Glass War, and I'm like, this could make a really interesting campaign. It's sort of broken into sections. The sections could be seen as missions or sort of parts of the, the grand campaign. They could be a nice series of adventures. And so I was thinking to myself, like, this could be really interesting, but how do I do it? So let me show you. <laughs> First thing I do, again, this is probably a little psychotic. I start to do a little research, right? So I go over to Drive Through RPG, and I start grabbing everything I can. <laughs> You know, these are different uh, different PDFs that I bought that are all spy, you know, RPGs. You can sort of see a Cortex Prime. The only reason that's not a spy RPG, but it's supposed to be so flexible you can do anything with it. Um, at the moment, I, I don't think I ever want to play that. We've we've been lucky to have like everything be damn fine cups of coffee when we review them. Cortex Prime for me would be a fish in the percolator at the moment. If maybe somebody ran it for me, I could see how it worked great. But at the moment, that's a fish in the percolator. Anyway, so here was step one. What system to use, right? The options that jumped out at me that were obvious was Delta Green. Um, you know, it's a D100 system, it's fine. The trick with that is the VTT didn't allow you to customize some of the skills. So there, you'd have skills like occult. I'd be like, there's no occult, you know, please ignore that. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be a little bit annoying. There's also some other functionality that I decided I wanted once I did settle on a system, and I'll get to that in a moment. There's Minutes to Midnight, which is a Blades in the Dark uh, Cold War game. I wasn't sure if that was going to be the right vibe. The vibe was the, the trick. I was trying to figure out how to make it so it's not like an action movie and it's not like we got to defuse the bomb as the timer goes down. Or Minutes to Midnight might have been perfectly fine. Um, fate, uh, I was kind of curious about. And so there's a couple of Fate codexes. This one has Camp X in it which is sort of like a World War II. But there's also, like, I think some Supernatural. I was like, okay. Um, the Illegals is like the show The Americans. I was like, eh, okay. Uh, ones like Top Secret might have been in the running, but there's no VTT support. And I was like, again, like, you got to figure out how do I get a character sheet? How do I roll the dice? And I was just like, you know what? It's not worth it. And uh, so the ones that came the closest to making the cut were... Cold Shadows, which is sort of a kind of rules-light, more narrative game. But that's more about running a spy agency, not about being spies on the ground, I, I think, from when I remember reading the rules. And at the time, I was like, okay, VTT support, how do I you know, get a character sheet in? How do I roll the dice? It's not that complicated, so I probably could figure that out with a PDF. Uh, but that was one of the finalists. One of the other finalists was... Sir, the service, which is a, it's still in playtesting. Um, it's a PBTA 
form. And this still might be what I go with. Like I, I still waver since I haven't started running it yet. But um, yeah, it's just, it's meant to be a cold war. It doesn't seem like it has to be super action-y if you don't want it to be, but it's, you know, the roles are the roles, you know. Whether you want your game to be an action game or not, you know, you still have a heavy who punches people in the face during interrogations, right? So, you know, so that might still be what I go with because it would be very simple, but I've, I have done a lot of work. Uh, but the winner, um, yeah, you got all these things here. Uh, and also, you know, I've got the, you know, Delta Green. Oh, uh, oh, and then the final one would be Knight's Black Agent, you know, Gumshoe or Fall of Delta Green. Um, those were the, the other options. And of course, the one I went with is the not at all Cold War game, Mithras. So the reason why I went with Mithras is because it had a lot of overlap with Delta Green, but the VTT allows you to change the skills. And it was just that little bit of flexibility that, you know, I was like, was the my way in. That's what I needed. Um, it's got a D100 system, very sim similar to Delta Green, because they're all sort of based on old school me mechanics, uh, BRP and whatnot. And uh, once I decided that, I was like, okay, let's, uh, that's, that's what I needed. So then it's a matter of, you know, what do I do next? So, so now that I have a character sheet, so to speak, and a way to roll dice, I'm like, okay, so now I got to sort of flavor this to a Cold War game, which in this case means sort of dumping a bunch of skills and coming up with a new skill list. Now, I'm not clever enough to be able to come up with that skill list on my own. So in this case, like once I get the system down, I'm like, okay, where do I get my skill list from? And that's where all these other games paid off. And what I ended up doing is I decided I'm going to take the skill list from Knack, uh, Knight's Black Agent, with the double tap. I think I have that listed here, right? Yeah, Knight's Black Agent's the main book. Then they have Double Tap, which is a an expansion that allows you to remove the supernatural from Knight's Black Agent, and it allows you to set it within different time frames. So, you know, I that's what I did. I, I looked at their... You know, I looked at their stuff. You know, this is all basic, you know, how to make a character in Mithras. I just took that. That's fine. Uh, but then when it came to this stuff, I borrowed heavily from Knight's Black Agent. Um, you know, you can choose your roles. You, uh, alertness. It's broken for some reason. I got to double check all this. And if you choose your role, then you, you know, you make sure you get all these skills. If you get these skills, I can show you just, um, you know, you just drag it over. It should populate, like that should be a professional skill. It should be all ready to go. Oh, what was that? Conceal? Let me delete that. Electronics. So you sort of see how this works, right? So once I had a way to get a character sheet in and then had a skill list, then I feel like I'm basically off to the races, right? Um, then it's just a matter of like, okay, I can figure the rest out. I took certain things. I think Bonds and Rivals might come from... Delta Green. I thought that was kind of a nice touch. Essentially, what I realized is that no one game had everything I wanted. And if 
you know, I wanted a flexible skill list, Mithras. Bonds and Rivals and The Sanity, Delta Green. Uh, the Skill List, Knight's Black Agent. Um, double Tap. Uh, equipment lists from BRP. <laughs> but the mechanics of buying equipment from Fall of Delta Green, where like things are like, it's like a skill check if you can afford it, so to speak. And so I feel like this blend I'm hoping makes for a, a good Cold War game that I can tailor more toward John Le Carre feel than to a Mission Impossible or James Bond. Um, and I'm really looking forward to trying it, uh, even though there's a part of me that, again, just wants to dump it all and do PBTA just because it was simpler. But, you know, you can just sort of see, like, you know, I had to come up with expense categories. This is all borrowed from different games. I, I, I really like the idea of it's not just finding the right system for your game. You can take mechanics from anywhere if you, you know, put a little thought into it, right? Even if you don't put a little thought into it. Um, Mithras, you know, has a lot of things. It's got like, it's got sanity. Um, it's not built into the core rulebook, but because it's meant to be sort of a generic system, you know, it is out there. And it was just a matter of, you know, getting everything in, creating uh, the items as needed, you know, skills, you know, as needed. Again, a lot of them pulled from Knight's Black Agent. The thing I'm sort of curious to see, because it's a homebrew and it's untested and it could be a disaster, is how many of these skills did we actually need? You know, this is like the double tap, it, you know, radio tele telegraphy, um, you know, changes it from like, you know, whatever the modern day equivalent would be, right? So that was the nice thing about Double Taps. It sort of said, hey, this would actually be more like that, you know, 50, 60 years ago. So, but it, anyway, so this, you know, I'm very excited to try this, even though it might be a terrible, <laughs> it might be terrible, just because I'm kind of curious, like, you know, it's not just the systems, like, you know, pick and choose, you know, if you want to put the time in and uh, hopefully it helps you tell the stories that you want to tell. That's the main reason why, I do this because it's not just that I want to run a spy game. I want to run a specific spy type of spy game. And I didn't see that anywhere. Some things came close, but they were either sort of in a different vibe or they were PBTA when I have a little bit more of a specific story that I want to tell. But maybe PBTA can be a little bit of a railroad, even though you have a lot more freedom moment to moment. I wanted to have a system, this is why I picked Mithras, that had passions, uh, which PBT, PBTA I don't think has a form of, but you know I don't know it very well. But And what I want to do with the passions, which is built into Mithras, is basically you have three passions that can influence your character. You can either, it's a, it's a skill, it's a percentage skill. You can either roll against it for like, hey, would I do this? Well, check your passion. But the nice thing about Mithras and maybe some of these other systems, D100 systems, is you can have a skill sort of modify another skill. And that's how I tend to use passions. So, like, if your passion is horse racing and you see, say, like a, an injured horse, but you also need to rescue somebody over there, 
can you ignore the horse being injured? You know, it's a stupid example, but you know what I'm saying. So that passion for horses would influence your other skill check, so to speak. Um, and what I want to do with the passions here, and I don't know if Patrick and Matt know this yet. I, I may have talked about this, but basically what I want is their highest passion skill, their most, their mo their strongest passion <laughs> to be something that would get them fired. Something that would have intelligence see them as compromised. Whether it's like, you know, they're having an affair. Are they an alcoholic? Are they a drug addict? You know, something that if the home office found out, they'd be screwed. And I want that because I want, I'm hoping the way passions can influence skills ends up being this tug um, when they're trying to do stuff. I thought that might be interesting. Maybe it won't be. Who knows? Maybe it can help them. I don't know. Like, you know, are you a drug addict? But you need to do some streetwise stuff. Maybe certain types of streetwise roles would be helped. You know, who knows? But that's what I'm hoping. I'm, I'm because I, I feel like that's a that's a thing with you know Le Carre stories, right? The heroes are often compromised in some way. People are always trying to hide their secrets. This is something that happened in real life all the time, which is why I think it happens a lot in La Carre novels. Um, and so what I really wanted was I wanted a I wanted a sort of a slightly mechanics heavier than PBTA system that could hopefully handle a very narrative driven story, not an action driven story. Uh, and allow me to do certain things like um the sanity from Delta Green, the reason why I like that is because it's um it, it's a system that seems well tailored to have the situation of like the spy who came in from the cold where the lead character just sort of stumbles into the abyss of alcoholism or something, right? Where you can sort of you you sort of gradually get worse and worse until you know you become like a lost cause almost. And you can trade personal relationships to offset the sanity's costs. The way, you know, you can like have a girlfriend and she turns you around for a little bit, but then you sort of destroy that relationship because you need to do something else. You need to get your head back in the game work-wise. I felt like the Delta Green sanity system really could do that. Um, anyway, at the end of the day, one question is why didn't I do... Knight's Black Agent, Gumshoe. And it's just because I've never run Gumshoe. Um, I've heard from a lot of people like Gumshoe is good, but also some people say Gumshoe is no, 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 thank you. And I didn't want this, which I'm really excited to be running, to be undercut by a system that could potentially work, but that nobody would be at all interested in. Now, Matt and Patrick might not be interested in this at all either, but at least I'm interested, I guess. <laughs> you know, so I can be like, yeah, you know what? Just just give me this role. You don't worry about it. But at least from my perspective, I'm interested in how it's all working. So, uh, so yeah, so that is a quick overview of, of ETTs, how I, as like an overprepper, do them i you know i again i make tons of journal entries i try and you know link everything i can think of as i go oftentimes i will make the journal entries and then when i'm done 
I sort of double check them and I'll realize, oh wait, this could use a link here that I didn't think of before, or this link is broken. I need to correct that. Uh, and so we'll be curious when this comes up. You know, Patrick um, might be back a little sooner than we thought. Uh, so we might start getting back into the real rotation soon and I would be up when that time comes, but we'll see how it goes for now. Uh, you know, Otari is already on the docket, so that would get preference if we're, if we're feeling out the idea of having all three of us back. But, um, but yeah, so that's sort of a breakdown of like VTT's foundry in particular. I can show you like really quickly. One of the games I ran was entity. This is alchemy right now that you're looking at. Uh, I went all in on the alchemy Kickstarter and I've been dying for a chance to use it. And I haven't found that chance yet. And I think the reason why is because it's going to have to be a system that they build for me. I have not been able to hack it. I just, I can't, I, I just, I can't figure out how to get it to do what I want. And it's little things, little stupid things like, like I can't build a character for Matt before Matt's in the game or whatever. You know, I have to invite him to the game. Um, I can't make myself a character sheet. It has to be an NPC character sheet. Now, these things might not seem that interesting. Uh, it's that whenever you roll dice, it always seems to add the total. You know, it's just... I, I can't get it to do little things that I want it to do. Um, it's not. It's probably not Alchemy's fault. Although I do think it's not nearly as flexible as Foundry, and that's by design. But... Um, but it's prevented me from using Alchemy really at all yet. And so I'm just waiting for systems that pop up that, you know, Mithras is never going to get a, an Alchemy, you know. The only reason why it's on Foundry is because, like, fans sort of do the work. Uh, and that's actually one of the disadvantages of Foundry I was reading, and I thought it was an interesting point that somebody made, is that, you know, Foundry, a lot of the systems out there are made as labors of love. So when you go from version 9 to version 10 to version 11 and things just get wrecked, you know, these these volunteers, you know, are suddenly having people saying, hey, when is this going to be done? When is this done? And it's like, hey, we're, we're volunteers. I just did this because I love Mithras or I love whatever system I happen to love. Like, I'm not a software developer. This isn't my job. Um, so I don't know what to tell you. Like, you know, it might not work for a while. And everybody's like, oh, come on. But that's kind of the tough thing for, for Foundry. But um, but alchemy, you know, it's 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 stupid things. And again, somebody's gonna like tell me how to do it, maybe in the comments. Uh, how do you do a D one hundred roll? Is it that? Did I just roll an eighty four by clicking it twice? Is that a big deal? Not really. Is it a little clunky? Maybe. I just, but I don't know how, like, if I just want to roll a D100, how do I do it? Um, except for what I, generating two numbers. So it, it, it's a little more rigid in its structure and I haven't been able to work around that structure to get what I want to happen because I can't script. I don't know if that's helpful. And I just, I can't figure out because, you know, you're not working with character sheets. You're working with lists over here on the side, right? And so because you don't have character sheet, it's hard to visualize, you know, what's going on. Anyway, it doesn't matter. 
I'm really looking forward to using alchemy. I just have not had a chance. I thought entity was going to be it. Um, English Eerie, I don't know how to put cards down, right? I don't know if you can. Uh, what was the other one? Midnight Melodies. Maybe something similar. How do I bring the piano in, right? You know. Um, anyway. This was long-winded, rambling, but, you know, it, it gives a little insight maybe into how we have been using VTTs here at um, Black Lodge Trivia Night. Uh, it gives a little insight into, you know, maybe maybe an approach, maybe it's a psychopathic, psychotic approach to homebrewing and uh, working with a VTT, but I really enjoy it because it gives me a chance to do two things. One, to try and learn the VTT better, which, you know, given the amount of time, you know, we spend playing role-playing games, it's not a bad thing. And two, it lets me actually get to know the systems I'm working with better. Because I have to, it's not, I'm not just reading the rules, I'm sort of getting into the guts and manipulating things about the system in order to get it to work electronically. And so I don't feel like either of those two things are a waste of time. And it's fun. I mean, you know, honestly, isn't that why we do it at the end of the day? Um, maybe not minute to minute fun, but when I finally get the chance to run Matt and Patrick through the first chunk of the Looking Glass War, it's going to be a blast for me. And that's when all this work pays off. And if it works and Matt and Patrick like it and we do the other chunks of the book, all this is ready to go. You know, I, I do this because my intention is to play a lot of games. Maybe we all have that sort of, you know, that sort of aspirational approach to RPGs, right? Like, I want to play a ton of Deus Vault Savage Worlds. So why not put the time in so that all the hours we spend playing it, you know, make make that, uh, that cost worth it? I would love to try Harn in Middle-Earth. You know, I don't know if it'll ever happen, but if it does, wow, then any effort I put into it will have been absolutely worth it. Um, you know, we got to run English Eerie twice. You know, I did all that work thinking it was going to be a one shot. I think we should also do uh, Midnight Melodies again at some point. You know, so all that stuff, you know, it, it pays off because, you know, you can come back to it and it's ready to go. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, like I said, you know, I am not a scripter. I'm not a programmer. I can't do a ton of things. But just doing roll tables and journal entries, you can really get a lot of functionality together. Get a little help on certain macros over, you know, on the Discord channel for Macro Polo for Foundry. And you'll be surprised how much you can do, um, even with a very limited understanding of the technical stuff. That's... <laughs> That's my quote-unquote secret power is not that I'm very smart or good at any of this, but I am willing to sort of bang my head against the wall <laughs> endlessly uh, to see if I can crack it. So anyway, this has been Black Lodge Trivia Night. I don't know if this was interesting at all, um, but again, it's just to give a little insight into BTTs, specifically Foundry, how we use it, you know, how I approach prep, how I approach homebrewing, and uh, just trying to give the 
players the best uh, the best gameplay experience that I can you know and hopefully you know some of it's additive and it helps out I feel like English Eerie and uh, Midnight Melodies I feel like I feel like those are both sort of really nice atmospheric experiences for me personally and hopefully for Matt as well and uh, just you know little touches a little work into the VTT and it you know smooths things out creates a little ambiance and you're you're good to go but anyway I'll stop rambling thanks again for checking this out hopefully something here was was useful I'd love to hear about you know people's VTT experiences I know people don't really comment but if you felt like it that'd be great uh, I'm Art we're Black Lodge Trivia Night uh, if you're watching this you've seen our YouTube channel already you know, we have some Let's Plays of video games, but our main thing is actual plays of tabletop RPGs, our podcast, Damn Fine Coffee, which is sort of a um, topic discussion podcast, and the Bookhouse Boys, where we uh, just pull something off the shelf and take a look. I don't know how this will work as an audio podcast, but uh, you can get those podcasts wherever you, you know, get any podcast. Just search for Black Lodge Trivia Night. You can search for us on social media. We're on X and Blue Sky at Black Lodge RPG. We're on Mastodon. I think just search Black Lodge Trivia Night. Uh, link to our Discord in the show notes if you want to check it out. And uh, we'd appreciate uh, if you were interested in jumping by and uh, saying hello. Otherwise, thanks again. Take care. And uh, we'll be back soon with more uh, RPG actual plays and uh, and the like. So take care. Thanks again.